Was that lagging out? No, we're good. That's where uh, we're welcome, <laughs> welcome uh, to uh, Lawfully Chaotic. That's what we are. Uh, episode six of season two. Thank you for uh, for joining tonight or watching after the fact. Um, with me, as always, are my awesome co-hosts, who I could not do this show without: Sharon, the fabulous Barry Bot, and Hello. Jason, the amazing storyteller of TTRPG Academy. Um, tonight we are going to be talking about role-playing games, uh, mechanics versus mythos, um, the rule systems, how light they are, how heavy they are, how good or bad they are versus the backstory of the game, which is more important and all that fun stuff. So, um, before that, uh, you guys have any announcements to make? Sharon, what do you got for us? I got nothing except it's really rainy over here and very cold. So, yeah, I'm not used to. We got uh, snow in them dire hills, the Barry. We got snow. I heard you guys are getting uh, the storm of the century for California. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Actually, the whole West Coast is getting pretty beat up right now. Pretty badly. Yeah. You, you know what's funny? I, my son and I were talking about this in the car today. The West Coast. <laughs> Great. That was, oh, that wasn't it? No, that wasn't funny. He said it was funny. That's the whole story. No, we were talking about this today how the both coasts and the southeast have just been slammed all winter. And Chicago, of all places, we have had the mildest winter that I could remember in decades. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Crazy. I've heard that. Yeah. New York too. Like they New like even the New York folks were saying it's been insanely mild as well. Oh, the on the east side. Hey, 3 miles, thanks for joining us. Um yeah, so anyway, it's just, you know, I don't want to derail us, but it's just mm. it's funny because this has been this winter has been so freaking crazy for us, mild wise. So anyway, um crazy so mild. So Sharon, sorry, announcements. The weather sucks. What else? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, we don't have any uh, session this weekend for the Grayland, so we're going to be following up the following Saturday. So please be sure to check us out uh, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Stay dry out there. Cool. Jason? Jason. We, um, I am working on new Just tables. <laughs> I am continuing. So what are you up to now? 25, 30? Well, I'll get there. Just give me time. Um, <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> I love this game. Although, uh, with the I, I gradual... Say with, I say that with 50% envy, 50% you're fucking crazy, and 50% <laughs> uh, when can I play? <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, um, uh, I was, I've been doing a lot of reflective thinking about... Hey, Trin! Hey, what's um, up? Uh yeah, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado's been yeah. pretty mild as well. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like the whole um, middle, the whole middle like hasn't had winter. <laughs> we we got enough hail at the ranch at 600 feet. They were playing snowballs. They were throwing snowballs around at each other and our snow line is at 1000 feet today. Um Whoa. which is real low for us like it's Someone almost cast, snowed in the city. It storm. got so cold. It's just crazy. In LA, absolutely nutty. Uh, yeah, well, in Southern California, in general. Holy shit! When's the last um, time it snowed in LA? Wasn't it like two thousand and two or three or some? 
It was actually, I want to say, about eight or ten years ago. Oh, eight or ten. Okay. Well, yeah. still a long It's fight. now likely to snow in in unfamiliar areas every ten years. That's really? about to become the norm. Yeah. It's about to become the norm because of climate shift. Yeah, or it's crazy. It's evil curse. On well, it could be a curse, but you know, yeah. you just gotta roll a natural it's, twenty. It'll it's go. Sarah man, it's Sarah man. <laughs> My big thing I'm getting excited about is getting the new studio open. So um, yes. we're getting You're there. Have we're to getting take there. us on a pictorial. I will. Slash video tour because I really. Yeah. Want to it. Or I'm just gonna have to fly out there, like I keep threatening, and I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not joking about that. Um, at some point, we should eventually. Speaking of Trin, guess what? I get to do Saturday morning. I get to play in a one shot. Nice. My Age of Empires group that played for over two years. We took a break, um, and people are going to go their separate ways and do their own thing. But one of the players, Rob, um, promised us a one shot because uh, he's a really good DM as well. So I get to play a a gnome bard that is the love child offspring of Rob's character from the campaign that we played in. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that bridge there. That's cool. right. It was so yeah. cool. It was so that awesome. That is very cool. Sweet. Um, what about you, Brad? Right, what you got going you? on? What do I got going on? Um, finished uh, finished that project I was working on for Critical Role. Um, nice. Wrapped that up. I sent them. It's an internal thing, so you won't see it as oh. I show it to you. But uh, I did send them a little kind of extra gift, which hopefully they will use. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That's awesome. Um, otherwise, I am writing the campaign. To yes, baby. Yes. Um, yes, baby. And that is uh, about it. Um yeah, so let's jump into this thing and talk about uh, game systems and backstories. And Sharon, what have we chosen to kick off this conversation? Well, everyone, today's topic will be about comparing mythos and mechanics. Uh, our two fine examples for today is Shadowrun and <sighs> Dark Sun. Ooh, both dark and scary. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, kind of. I found my second edition Shadowrun book. I could not find my first edition. I know I have it somewhere. But uh, I think I've got it here somewhere. They are current. I do have it. And I also found. Uh, Everyone's doing show and tell right now. Yep. Yeah. My stack, of, uh, my stack of source books and modules for the game. I still have <laughs> all of them. Shadowrun? Right? That's you all know, Roy, you know what you could use those for now is you could use them to keep your couch legs even. No, I still. Uh, so what? Barry, they're on. Uh, what are they on now? Six? They're on sixth edition right now. So, OK. And I, who's I running it? Is it, Pi is it Paizo that runs it? No, it is Catalyst. I want to I want to share it ah. real quick. Um, oh, Catalyst rebooted. Um, so must Catalyst must have rebought um, all did. of the FASFA stuff because yes. they also rebooted uh, uh, BattleTech as well. Sorry, Correct. yeah, Correct. Cool. And Barry and I were talking about this before the show. So I bought BattleTech because we played that big time also. Mm. Um, I haven't delved into it yet. And hey, Gary, what's up? Um, 
By the way, Gary, we're starting to play Battletech again, so by the game. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but from my understanding, they bought, I think Catalyst's gig, maybe it's just Facet Games, but they buy these games, they simplify them, mm -hmm. and then they re-release them. And I yeah. think for Battletech, that's an awesome thing yeah. to speed up gameplay. I am on the website for Shadowrun, and it I don't know if they were trying to make it look like it was the website was designed in 1989 when the game came out. But yeah, it three sucks. miles. Yeah, <laughs> three miles is bad? talking about uh, Mech Warrior, uh, Mech the Mech Warrior, Warrior PC yeah. system that came out. Yep. Yeah, Mech but this Warrior? website, Mech. this website, uh, M is in Mary. Oh, I thought neck. I was like, okay. <laughs> but the, um, the website unfortunately is like it's fucking piss poor. If they were trying to make it look like it was designed in '89. They are geniuses. Otherwise, <laughs> I can't make fucking heads or tails of what they're trying to communicate here. It's all like downloadable PDFs. Well, I can't find the book anywhere. It's on Amazon, but I can't find it on their website. Yeah, I think um, um, I think this is kind of a, a, a typical uh, outcome of uh, opportunities that start in Kickstarter, and they get really popular, and they kind of yeah. outpace the digital repository of where they keep stuff. Um because their their Kickstarter stuff looks beautiful, like mm -hmm. all their design work. I mean, you're a designer, you know, um, mm -hmm. looks gorgeous. But then you go to their website and you're like, okay, now I know who the redheaded you know stepchild is. It's their website. <laughs> yeah, it's you know. Shadow Run in their case. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead. I want to let Barry intro us into the game because this okay. is this is still my favorite mythos of all the role playing games I've played. So I do have, you know, a, a lot of passion for the game and a lot of talk to talk about. But like I said, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. Although can I can I play the clip as the intro? I yes. think I gotta share this with you. I do not remember this or or I or either that or I shut it out of my mind because it was so atrociously It's terrifying. Hard. I remember it. It is terrifying. And I immediately I, went went out and bought the game. I no gotta way. share this with you guys. I don't know if I'll do the whole four minutes, but this is just you just gotta you just gotta watch. Peak shadow run era. <laughs> There better be audio. Yeah, there's audio. <laughs> I think the budget for this was about nine and a half dollars. <laughs> Is it turned up? Because I can't hear it. Hold on. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me, let me do I this. I guess we let have to do voiceover then. <laughs> How's that? Oh, look. Over here. Oh, Can you hear it? I got you covered. I'll do it. No, over there. Let's go. What's going on with that door? This is also, this is top-notch Navy SEAL tactical training. <laughs> this is their training video. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> it is just, I mean... Oh. And, and it's always only ever one guy on patrol, right? It never yeah. occurred to anyone to have two or three guys on patrol. It's only ever one, <laughs> right, Gary? I, mu I think I must have blacked it out. I'm just it, gonna stand right here. Halt! Who goes there? Halt! <laughs> who goes there? <laughs> Look at that eyeshadow. <laughs> what was she supposed to be? A wizard or what? Psychotic. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
Oh my god. Look at him, look at him. Look, look at him, him. run! <laughs> That's American tax dollars at work, man. Oh my Maybe god. Training. How many stereotypes <laughs> oh shit load. Dun 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 She's got look at that, she's got like a Commodore 64 keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now here is where she she jacks in to the uh hair boobs, holding muscles, sums up 90s marketing for you. Okay, now now here now. Get ready for some awesome early internet graphics, okay? <laughs> the hair is just sending me. James Cameron better be scared. <laughs> Look, it's Johnny Mnemonic's uh, sister. <laughs> hey, why do you have that serial cable plugged into your head? <laughs> is it sad that this just makes me want to play the game? <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Lawnmower man, three miles. Get out of here. That's that's a reference. That is a reference. Cat four cable glued to head. Right. That's Renraku Arcology right there. I know that. See, I remember my game lore. Oh my goodness! Someone's taking notes. The eye of Ra. Cameron, hold on. So these are all the corporations, and they are sabotaging into the corporate data banks to steal info. That's oh. those were Joe's were generally the missions. You gotta like you know, corporation A oh. needs corporate espionage from corporation B, and they want you to steal it and this and that. But this is a really good example of amazing mythos and really, really poorly executed content related to that amazing mythos. So this <laughs> this video right now. This video basically <laughs> sums up game mechanics. Right, right. Yeah. Totally yeah. Uh-oh. Oh no. The guards are alerted. <laughs> what took you so long? I've been out here flexing my biceps for 10 minutes. <laughs> It was just too good not to watch the whole thing. Oh, FASPA, FASPA, FASPA. Man. Right. Oh, the journey. So the I, journey. we apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's your intro to Shadowrun. Oh, Barry, what do you got for us? What do you got for us? Beat that. See, now, Top that. See, now I want to wear like an 80s wig and play the game now. <laughs> I have to go in. Oh, my goodness. But... But you know, can't save you on the internet. Can't flex your way out of this. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That was so. Oh, it brings back so many memories. Okay, so, so Sharon, what, do you, what do you? What have you found in your in your research? Shadowrun, yeah. the game of corporate espionage. Yes. So. Actually, before we kick it all off, have you guys ever like played Shadowrun? I mean, from that titillating app. Tons. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the word titillating. I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, I played. 
I played. Yeah, we took, a, we took a long we took a long break from D and D and shifted to Shadowrun. And Gary, how long did we play Shadowrun for? It was a couple of years, if I if I remember correctly. Um. So yeah, we uh, we we actually spent quite a a, a few years on and off. Yeah. Um. <laughs> titillating was that trailer mm. <laughs> um yeah so the to answer your question yes we 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 were very familiar with the game okay so uh in terms of mechanics do you prefer Shadowrun over uh D&D no not even close no. so Shadowrun okay so and it's been a long time but I did just look through my book um, Gary, and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, because your memory is way better than mine. But um, so, yeah, first and second edition we played. After that, uh, we had stopped. Um, so the 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 core of the Shadowrun. Okay, I, I'm going to summarize. So ma <laughs> magic. <Yes. laughs> Center yourself. Right let, let, let me explain. Namaste. No, too much. Let me sum up. Um, let me sum up. So. The, the the mythos of the game is that in in twenty I believe it was twenty twelve or twenty twenty one I know twenty twelve was the Native American uh, or on the Mayan calendar when the sixth age of of history uh, was supposed to occur mm -hmm. um, but there are also Native American um, uh, North Native North American um, prophecies that are similar so they played on that and magic basically made its way back into the world and it split America. It split, it kind of fractured the world from a political standpoint. It split America. Half of America joined with Canada. The rest became its own country. Seattle, where the game is uh, mainly uh, played is like the free city of Seattle. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of its own thing. And you know, it's your basic like wretched hive of scum and villainy. So, um, yeah, so I'm getting there, Torch. It does have a bad reputation for mechanics. They fucking sucked. <laughs> so magic came There's out. The <laughs> so there was magic alongside of, uh, and because it was 89, it was like, oh, let's hack into the internet, you know? So it was magic alongside, like, Johnny Mnemonic um, and Cyberpunk. Um, and then people started mutating back into elves, dwarves, orcs, and trolls too. So that's how you got all of your D and D races back. So yeah. it was basically like every, you basically were all like mercenaries. Okay. And corporations, because, because the governments had kind of fallen by the wayside, corporations were where the real power was at. They had their own private security forces or armies and they basically ran everything. Interesting. Um, yeah, so the the general, you know, the general aspect of the game was you would get contacted by somebody who needed something stolen from another corporation and and you, they would send you in to do that. You would or have a rival gang. That was a rival fun. gang, right? Yeah. So there were street mages, there were shamans, there were street samurais which were like jacked up with wired reflexes and bionic eyes and bionics and shit. There were riggers which were like drivers the ultimate drivers because they could jack into the car there were deckers who would go into the matrix so what? and there was just a really rich basically yeah it was like inception but without the dreams um uh that's actually a pretty good analogy in a way 
Um, <laughs> and um, there was a really rich backstory. I mean, I remember some of the names of the restaurants that they that they put into the mythos in Seattle. No one was yeah, one was uh, the Stinking Onion or something like that. It was an orc restaurant. Um, probably a you know. That's a whole nother story is like, will that still hold up in today's, you know, social environment? No, but whatever. Uh, there was a restaurant called Run Run Shaw's. So it was basically like you had a map of Seattle and there were all these, you know, gang hangouts and, and places you go and all corporations. So the moral is that the background was really awesome. I used to reread the, the intro uh, chapters just for fun. Okay. Just to absorb that um uh that material now the mechanics is where the game fell short so the whole system of mechanics it was similar in a way to DD some attributes it had a bunch of skills obviously there was you know gear uh you could also buy bionics and shit like that you had essence which was your kind of natural state so a magician would have a really high essence. A street samurai, the more they replaced of their body with bionics, the lower their essence would be. That type of thing. It's like your human, your humanity, if you will. Huh. So okay. the thing, what sucked about it is that they based the whole system on on the D six. Mm. Period. That yeah. was the only die they used, yeah. and I'm sure this that the impetus behind that decision was well, everybody knows what a D six is, and everybody has them lying around, so. Right. Let's use a D6. Or maybe they're so, trying to be different because the D20 is it, so prevalent. It could, it could have been. It pro it very well could have also been, let's try something different. So your skills and attributes were were it it told you how much dice you were able to roll to complete a task. Okay. So the task had a DC, if you will, all right. If you had to make like a a um a, a combat role with a target of five you would look at what skill you had in say submachine gun all right and you would that skill would tell you how many dice you roll if your skill level is three you'd roll three six-sided dice <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh 30 40 six so and then and then any die that met or exceeded that target number was a success okay mm. And then there were modifiers that could modify the target number. There were modifiers that could modify the number of dice that you had. In theory, it's not a terrible idea with those successes and failures, but the fact that they only used a D6 limited the system. Yeah. And basically, like, if it was the same system with D20s, it would have allowed for a much wider range. So basically what right. we found is... Unless you're specialized in something like like a decker, you know, a hacker or a magician, um, in terms of fighting, if you were in a street samurai that was fucking, you know, enhanced to the balls, you're gonna get your ass kicked because mm -hmm. it was basically because the because the mechanics were so shallow in that regard. Mm -hmm. You were either super skilled and and would basically always succeed, or you would never fucking be able to to make a skill roll. And again, right. Barry, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was my recollection. And so it carried the the story and the fact that the game was so different because it combined super high tech and D and D type. Yeah, was able to carry the game for us for a long time. 
But what ultimately got us to quit were the um, Shadow Moments Rainbow Sixes again and had a new roll of this. Yeah, it was something like that. Like you had an, an extra dice pool. Yeah. So yeah, what ultimately the ultimately the reason. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just about to say there's actually two dice pools. There's the karma pool and then the yeah. dice pool. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and it was like bonus dice that you could add. So yeah. long and the short of it is, like I said, what carried us in that game was the story solely. Because mm -hmm. the mechanics we just kind of, you know, we we tolerated and eventually stopped playing because we realized, well, these mechanics suck. So there's a perfect example of a game that had, in my opinion, and I think, you know, a lot of people who have played with it. Yeah, it was totally unbalanced. That was uh, that was also a product of the way they set up the mechanics. So, again, mm -hmm. if you wanted to fight, you had to be uh, an enhanced street samurai or you were getting fucking killed or maybe a troll. Um, if you wanted to do anything technical, you had to be a full on hacker. Or well, I have, a, I have a question for you, Brian. Does does it feel like they went this way with the mechanics because of D&D? Like, did it feel like they wanted to be, like, to Barry's point, we're in the competitive genre of game systems. Did D&D's popularity of their mechanic system of the time just create this idea that if as long as you're different, you have a chance? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Right? I think that I think that could be ver that very well could be the case. I mean, BattleTech also was was a D six game, but that was a mm -hmm. tabletop war game, right? And, that, right? and those rules were fantastic. That game was great. We played that for a lot of years too. So I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, Gary's right. It also because the way the system was, it also. Um, uh, allowed for extreme imbalance in different characters. So, like I said, the you know the long and the short of it is is here's a game that has a fantastic creative story that brings two major genres of of creativity together, and yet fell short because the mechanics sucked. Right. And, and to answer never, three miles really question, to answer three miles question, I've always stated that i can adapt anything to 5e um it's not that hard i think i think yeah i was just about this, to say can you modify it mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah i think with this game the trick would be oh an, so another aspect and this kind of goes towards the imbalanced um mm -hmm. yeah kind of yeah um but another thing is that um so if you were a decker and you hacked into so like every you know, every mission that you went on, invariably, you didn't have to have one, but invariably, you had a Decker because you would go in and disable the security systems and access the cameras and all that shit. You know, like like um, Ocean's Eleven or something like that. Right. Um, the problem is that it was like it was like splitting the party. So you had your Decker over here running around in the interwebs. And then you had your party actually over here fighting. And then if you had a rigger, he was sitting in the car in the fucking alley. <laughs> so it was That's it, really? It was, yeah. So <laughs> it was very difficult also. Um, because like I said, the whole aspect of the the hacking part happened very much um apart from from the actual mission of running around shooting people, right? They were happening at the same time, and the hacking affected 
what you were doing in the mission, but yeah. you weren't together. It was like it was like you split the party. Mm. So it really there were really some major major holes uh, in the mechanics. I think you could adapt it to 5e. I think the most difficult thing would probably figure out be figuring out how to do the the decker aspect and how to do an internet and hack in and do that shit. But otherwise, I mean, it's like it's like anything else. It's all it's all difficulty rolls. You know, you'd yeah, have to yeah. modify the skills, and they have a pretty, they have a pretty um, deep skill web, which is very cool. Um, so here's the skill web. Mm. So that's even more that's even more in depth than than five e. But again, it was so because the mechanics were so shallow. It was it was it just it just fell Ooh. short. Yeah, well, exactly. Do that? Exactly. Well, it, I, was, it was it was it it wasn't directly like you were like okay, I I deactivate the alarm on the door. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Now now you guys play for five minutes till we get to the next alarm or set of cameras. It wasn't literally like you know you could <laughs> reverse the gravity think, and fuck people <laughs> up. But I think it also lends into an idea of mythos in general, mm -hmm. which is. The mythos of Shadowrun established in the late 80s, early 90s culture mm -hmm. was based yeah. on a lot of limited understanding of technology and expectation of that technology. So if you like fast forward 33 years, right, you could have a lot of fun with Shadowrun with the adding yeah. things to its mythos like AI, um, adding uh, social media. Yeah, uh, like, AI, Jason. Uh, biometrics. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's right. right. I, like, yeah, that one slipped by me. Fuck you. Yeah, AI. yeah. But yeah, uh, biometrics. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. do a lot more of the yeah. of the kind of like cybernetics kind of stuff. You yeah. know, you could and you could like borrow from things between oh, ninety five and twenty. That's a cool idea. Is like if your Decker could actually manipulate your wired reflexes in right. a fight. Yeah, like that's almost not cool. all that dissimilar from what an artificer does with infusions. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And not to like sidebar it too much, but like uh the video game Cyberpunk kind of <laughs> Yeah. Like they're able to hack into cameras Wait, and you gotta put that up. enemies. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Be, be one up twisted duo. That. Twisted duos. <laughs> <laughs> like like the face of the group looks back to the decker. Hey man, write me a script really quick, would you? <laughs> yeah, hold on. And then it automatically like transfers to their brain, and then they get this perfect ability to tell a perfect oh lie God. or something. Oh yeah. shit, my subscription ran out. Hold on, let me resub <laughs> with Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, Gary, that was true. That was about the time that Cyberpunk was catching on too. And that because yeah. that was focused, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I would, I would. Um, oh, really? The chat. <laughs> Again, I don't. I haven't bought the rules. I know Matt, you said you bought them today. By the way, thank you for joining us, Matt. Um, I know you haven't read them. Uh, I may buy them just to read them, but I kind of feel that. And again, I don't want to throw shade at Catalyst because it is awesome that they are resurrecting these old games. But I mm. kind of feel that Shadowrun really deserves a very... And I know, Jason, that you are very narrative-driven and less mm -hmm. about mechanics. 
And I don't have a problem with that. Like again, Vampire the Masquerade is a good example of a very nav, uh, a very, <laughs> a very um, narrative type game. But I feel that Shadowrun deserves a really well thought out and really detailed rule set to fully take advantage. Of I actually think Netflix. one of the things it deserves that it would do very well is kind of when we've talked in the past about a, a, a an evolutionary skill tree that makes sense yes. Yes. to the to the way characters evolve through such a kind of deeply rich lore-based and mythos-based yep. environment. Like, yeah. yep. to me, you know, a good side quest would be you hear rumors of hacking software that'll improve your Decker's cyber optics of their yeah. eye so it improves yeah. their ability to hack into a system but the you know the software is located in a rival gang's you know vault that you yeah. have to get to totally but you you know and then as they do all that rather than traditional leveling you could still incorporate some of that kind of cool skill treeing without it being forced like an mmo we we don't want yeah. it to feel like an mmo no. But I think I'm beginning to warm up more and more to the idea of building like these little mini skill trees. And one of the things that warmed me up to it is I was talking to Sam, uh, one of our players. Uh, What's up, Andrew? Dorito. Thank you for joining Dorito. us. Um, uh, I was talking to Sam about our next campaign. And I, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to write the campaign. Like I, I want mm -hmm. them to build the world they're from. And I'm, I'm going to try to come up with my first mini skill tree system that will be interactive with the players so that as they move through the world, they could run into something that enhances a skill yes. that's yeah. unique to the choices they want to make from within the world itself. But I don't Let's... want it to be MMO. I don't want it to be Assassin's no, Creed. And when no. I start thinking about the Shadowrun mythos and all the creativity that's there, once again, what was thought to be creative in 91 compared to what we can now measure that mythos against the advancement of creativity and the ability to create more layers of the mythos is just so more relevant. Now there's so much more we can do with it. There's a lot. More totally. Potential. Yeah. Much more. Let's, uh, we need to talk offline about what you just said about, you know, the skill trees and whatnot, because I really think the more I think about it, the more I like your idea of no levels Mm -hmm. um, and the more I think this game would be a prime uh, target for my idea that I said, which is just that. These evolutionary skill trees on a much larger range, like like 1 to 100. But like smaller chunks, like smaller yeah. evolutionary chunks. That's, why, that's so what I'm saying. That's why so it doesn't feel like an MMO. Like, like I was, yes. I've been watching, I don't know if anyone else has been watching, but I love to watch the Rad Brad. And I watch right now. I'm watching yeah. him do. Uh, I, I watch him do Hogwarts Leg Legacy. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most amazing HP games that I've seen, and I love the lore and the mythos of going back to the late 1800s mm -hmm. to 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 what they did with that storytelling. But I also love the way they did the skill tree. They, the skill trees are these. Um, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the more you use it. The better you get. So, uh, and our Monday night yes, game, champion, yeah. Our, our Monday night game of no levels uh, just celebrated our thirtieth session, nice. and we Woo. just had a milestone where everyone agreed to what they, what their next thing is. They gained. Some people gained a little bit more ability. Some gained mm -hmm. this. Some gained that. 
But now their hit points are degenerative in the sense that they're now at the point where they'll no longer get hit points unless they role play it in the game itself. Like mm. whether or not they interact with something that bolsters their constitution. Mm. So this recent milestone was their last hit point milestone. Or like only the hit, world yeah. can allow their hit points to increase. Right. So like I'm going to go to the gym and, and work out to increase. Or yeah, I'm going to get this magic concoction from this yeah. creepy like uh, soothsayer that says, if you drink this, you'll be stronger than you can possibly mm -hmm. imagine. Wow. So right, you yeah. literally have to pump iron to gain strength in your game. Essentially. Well, not be athletic. You could be acrobatic. You could be. How many reps you know, are you going to get? That's exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about last time. The more I've been thinking about this is, you know, and I think what makes it work to your point is smaller chunks. So utilizing the zero to yeah. one hundred system, so that you can do these little bumps, so that the player feels like they are constantly improving, but it's not going to make such huge jumps that they're going to be, you know, that they're going to be leveling think, up in power at, a, at an insane rate. I think if you take a look at Elder Scrolls, I love all this mythos we're going down to because they kind of all come back to each other. Like, I love this topic because I hope in the future we could talk about GURPS to a certain degree because mm -hmm. I think I think um, GURPS as a topic is great because it's the very... <laughs> GURPS? Um, Excuse me. It, it was the very first universal game system that worked. Yeah. It, it, it didn't care what your mythos was. It didn't care what world you were in. It was, it was designed to be a universal rule set to be used really? in any theme that you want to use it in. Well, champions um, was, was shortly after and very serious, yeah. uh, similar. And Gary, by the way, I did find my champions book downstairs too, but I didn't bring it up here, but champions was a little, it was, it was, it utilized superheroes as the basis. Yes. But it was very similar. It was not what? dependent on superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. That came out about the same time as Marvel superheroes did. Marvel superheroes was also a very, I don't want to say shallow, um, rule set, but well, yeah, it was somewhat shallow. Also it worked a little better than, um, shadow run, but champions was also, even though it, it utilized, superheroes as the basis it was also an open kind of game system right Ooh. so this was also one of our topics the other <laughs> paranoia. Uh, paranoia yep but once again when i look at paranoia and i think of shadow run and i think of gaming mechanics the i think the one thing we get from the 5e core system is the idea of a simplified skill set associated with something called a difficulty check Mm -hmm. And then a kind of formula we can follow to keep the pace going with a, a level of creativity. Now, that's yeah. the active use of the mechanics. I think to the point that we were kind of talking about is in the old mechanics of D&D and some of the older systems in general, your downtime mechanics were the background things you used to do until you got back together again in one of your sessions. Hey, Sam. Um, so it's like, I, I've been going back and forth over this idea that when fourth edition struggled to compete with the MMO community and it did a poor job of execution, I still come back to the, to the love of the idea of these little micro trees, these like little micro yeah. skill hubs that the the players themselves create. Mm -hmm. And then it, they work on it with you as like a yeah. creative loop between you and the players 
that allows you to create while allowing them to specialize in such a way that gives them the opportunity to create a very unique player experience for themselves yeah. as well as the table. Yeah, yeah I think I the- like Shadowrun was kind of trying to do that because they were trying to make people specialize in certain areas. Yeah. But it, it was still so janky. And then also just having to do skill t- skill checks for a D6. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I imagine think a- problem, <sighs> I think the problem with D and D, and you just you just kind of you just kind of stated it. Mm. The problem with D and D is that the only well, I should say five E the 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 major um, vehicle for advancing your skills or whatever. Mm. Is either raising your attributes or, you know, major like level milestones, more spell slots or subclass um, uh, shit that you get. And that only happens 20 times throughout a campaign and not very often. So there is definitely, I've always felt with D&D, as much as I love the game, that it's like, oh, everybody's always excited to level because I get this new stuff. And then it could be six months before I get any new shit. There's no vehicle for that world-driven, environmental-driven Well, there, there is, but it, re- it requires a, a GM to kind of, like, create it themselves and then introduce it as a possibility within so the... So the possibility is there, but right. it does not exist but, in the game. Right. It doesn't exist as a basic mechanic, as right. a raw feature. Right. But I think so what the, they've done really well, um, that something I think, like, rebooting Shadowrun within the idea of a DC core system for starters yes. and then building the little mini skill trees to specialize in mm-hmm. um, allows transition to happen very fluidly and exactly. can either lend to mechanics or narrative depending on the table's vibe. I mean, you could even do, play. imagine if you had, you know, these skills and again, zero to a hundred, much more mm-hmm. larger range. So you can dole out rewards at a much greater pace so that the the players feel like they are achieving something but because the range is so high it's not like i said it's not going to be you know oh you're level at you're you're making them too powerful too quickly but imagine like what if you got a, a crit and instead of it doing more damage that bumped up your skill one more percentage point Ooh, you know it's right, like right yeah no and i think that's and i think and I think when we think about what Shadowrun can offer, what Shadowrun is a really good example of a failed mechanic system, but a spectacularly well-intended mythos. Yeah. And a mythos that can easily transcend generational thought so mm-hmm. that as new ideas mm-hmm. and new concepts around the idea of its mythos can be reincorporated into it. To me, that feels like a proper way of calling something first through sixth edition as it relates to the mythos uh, Mm -hmm. of it. Um, So I love Shadowrun's mythos. I will always love Shadowrun's mythos. Um, That's exactly it, Gary. It's basically the whole crux of maybe maybe in the back of my mind and my subconscious, I'm thinking about when we played Champions. But that's basically it, is these little incremental you know, rewards without having to wait till these major milestones of leveling up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So let me ask a question. Um, You mentioned GURPS. Mm -hmm. So GURPS is a completely open system and arguably Mm -hmm. a very good one, but because, and this was kind of 
what we started to talk about why we why we came up with the idea for the show because it had no mythos of its own if i recall gurps was not super well received or super popular i should say gurps was way before its time it was competing okay. with the idea that all games had an established mythos so it was competing with that idea what gurps was trying to help everyone understand is that anything could be your mythos if you have a core system that lets you you know run a very fun and eventful game you could use any theme in the world to develop a mythos of your own or simply borrow somebody else's mythos and shape it right. around but by, a but better system but by not providing that to the player i think to a certain degree they provided that? a fantasy mythos and a mm -hmm. sci-fi mythos but it was very open ended it was very kind of um kind of a uh, uh, a loaf of bread that was still dough and hadn't become bread yet, you know. And it was like mm -hmm. you could take their sci-fi because, like, I have all their GURPS stuff. I have all the GURPS stuff over here, and they have GURPS heroes and they have GURPS sci-fi. They have GURPS fantasy, so they have all that stuff. But they never developed. You're right. They never developed the traditional kind of core mythos that you could grab onto. And yeah, run and with. I and I wonder if that hurt the game. You know, another one yeah, I'll throw back. Question. That too. There was not, it was just, it was, it felt so generic that it like, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say that back then players and GMs were not sophisticated enough to realize, Hey, I can create my own entire world. I know we did it, but not the way we do it today. Well, the one thing that they did very well, um, <laughs> because I think that was just the expectation of the industry is you built a mythos, you built the content and then you built the mechanics or you built the mechanics, you built the content, and then you built the mythos. Mm -hmm. Like when they, like TSR was releasing everything under the sun from star frontiers uh, to Indiana Jones to gangbusters, right? They were releasing tons of mythos and content with mm -hmm. the idea <coughs> uh, like they could run a core, a core system to support all of that. Gotcha. Um, but so they established the idea that if you want to develop a game, you got to have mythos, you got to have content, you got to have mechanics. And I think some companies just were like, you know what? No, let's just do the mechanics. I think if we can build a really good mechanic, people will come and want to create their own mythos or come and create their own content. And I think it was just that competitive nature of how games were coming into existence at that time. You know, that brings up a good point. Has anybody developed, like, let's just say, like, a GURPS system that is completely generic and then provided, like, here's your sci-fi version uh, on top, that layer on top of that. Here's your fantasy layer on top of that. And maybe there are certain supplemental rules that support that theme. I, then, I mean, I think, I think Paizo... Um, kind of dipped into that when they did Starfinder and Pathfinder, mm -hmm. right? I think they created these two unique mythos, um, but with some connection as well. You know, yeah, um, that's. I think Gerps attempted to do it. Um, I think people have always dabbled with the idea of how can I build a core system? Um, mm -hmm. You know, how can I build a core system, provide the idea of mythos, but not necessarily 
So I don't think anyone's ever really kind of uh, broken that mold yet. I don't know if people know, I don't know if creators find it interesting to write just a mechanic system. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's I enough do. to keep them going, you know? Really? I, I, I do. <clears throat> I yeah, get off but, on that shit. <laughs> like yeah, sitting down the, and doing a skill but tree. But at the end of the day, and... the you're you're reinforcing what GURPS failed to do, which is they built a great system, but there was no mythos. But me as a creator, I gotta I like have to some support it with a mythos. Well, yeah, I gotta have some I gotta have some juice in the meat, man. I, I gotta yeah, exactly. I gotta have I a little bit of creativity to be able to write a mechanical system. You know, no, I I totally agree. I can't do it in a vacuum. I like doing it, but there's gotta have some meat to it. Like so the, I'll throw out I'll throw out again Middle Earth role playing. So that was a very good system. That is kind of what we're talking about. D100, you know, if you were a wizard, you could still use a sword, you could still wear armor, you know, it's like the more you wanted to do, the less you know, you'd be kind of good at a bunch of things or really good at less things. And and I'm not saying that the mythos wasn't there because it was the Tolkien mythos. But the difference being that the Tolkien mythos was so already established. That's yeah, that's where I'm with you on that one. That we didn't actually spend a lot of time playing because it kind of felt like, well, we're just gonna play the movies and yeah. Of- yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. It was really hard to get into the Middle Earth mythos. Yeah. Because it was already so established in my mind, it didn't feel like a fantasy playground to me. Like I couldn't find a playground in there. Yeah, it, it was felt all like established many- and understood. Yeah. I mean, Token wrote thousands of years of content from a from a perspective of mythos. It was hard to find a playground in which you could say this wasn't touched by any established arc or sub arc or expectation. Right. You're like, okay, okay. Who were the great, 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 great grandparents of one of the Nazgul's before they were turned into a Nazgul? Let's go play in that playground and see what we can come up with. Yeah. That's a lot of work. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that there weren't a lot of monsters. If you think about the Tolkien world, there were orcs and goblins and, you know, some undead. And, you know, I mean, there was not a lot. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of felt that Sharon what did you find you also did some some more digging into dark sun in this as it pertains to this topic what did you what did you uh how does dark sun fit into this since we talked about it last week well because dark sun has a very rich background but also with that background in mind it does have a lot of like very antagonistic themes underlying it and I feel like um you know with Shadowrun, you know, you have such a deep and well-rooted mythos for today's society, um, but it lacks the, you know, the mechanics behind it. And yet with, you know, Dark Sun, it has the D20 system. Mm. Yeah, and and for a while there, I was a fan of the D20 system because I could pull it apart and make it work the way I needed it to work. Um Mm -hmm. I, I was I was using something called the CS or the challenge system where I was using the D20 system, but I was trying to create a much more simplistic way for the players to be able to interact with the Dark Sun world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of reinventing pieces of the D20 system to just kind of fit with the notion because the players didn't care. They loved they loved the the mythos of Dark Sun. 
Yeah. And D20 system allowed it to be very fluid and narrative, easy to handle. They were familiar mechanics because if you're already playing D&D, D20 wasn't a huge stretch. You know, the D20 system wasn't a huge stretch, you know. Right. They hadn't evolved out of the chart system yet, those heavy charts. But that was coming with 5e, right? The the deprecation of the heavy chart requirement and this cross chart, you know, template of looking at things. But at the end of the day, what carries both these systems or these games is their mythos. Is the is and once it circles us back, right? Did GURPS fail because they didn't have an established mythos? You know, did other games fail because even though they had great mechanics? They didn't have a really popular mythos. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I think this this reminds us all that whether you're playing some, you know, uh, Doctor Who, Serenity, The Expanse, you know, whether you're playing D&D or whether you're about to sit down and play uh, a rebooted Shadowrun or an RPG version of uh, Battletech, which is amazing mythos. The RPG version of Battletech oh, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you have Warhammer RPG, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and another amazing overall mythos that's lots of fun. But at the end of the day, we need to tie it into a mechanic that's going to be helpful to play. You've got to have um, a mechanic. You know, you've got to have something that is helpful as opposed to being harmful when you're trying to play the game. And I think Barry's, I think Barry's two compares are perfect with that. They really do a good job of just stating something that now has become more obvious because we look around and there's thousands of games we can play, mm-hmm. yeah. whether it's online on our phone, on our switch or on our console or on our PC or at our table, right? We're exposed to a lot more mythos. And now we're like, cool. I have unending mythos, but I don't have a universal system that works yet. I don't have that system that I feel like I can plug and play into absolutely every kind of mythos that might come my way. I, I've decided I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to write it, but it's going to be called Burps. Borderless Universal Writing. <laughs> burps. You got the burps and the gurps. <laughs> I got the burps and the gurps. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though, because I wasn't sure what the answer to our question, what's more important, mythos or mechanics. And after having this discussion, I kind of feel like they are both important. I don't Very think important. I don't think either one could survive without the other. But given our example of playing Shadowrun for a long time, even though the mechanics sucked, I would actually say that I think the mythos is more important. I would to, agree that, too. To at least draw you in and give you something to latch on to, you know? And if you talk about homebrew, homebrew is just as much um creating your own world and stories as it is oh these rules don't work let's rewrite this portion of the rules and redo this and rejigger this and whatnot so yeah and 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 i would agree that mythos is the most important thing um because any mechanic system can be developed out of condition and circumstance right you can Mm -hmm. create condition and circumstances and try to come up with a mechanic that resolves those and if you put condition and circumstance into a mythos that everyone's having fun playing, you can resolve everything. You can make it fun. You can be creative at your table with other players, or you could just, you know, ad hoc a D100 system that just makes the the outcomes seem interesting or fun as long as the mythos is attractive. If the mythos brings you there, 
it kind of answers its own question. I would agree. I think mythos is key. I think it's very yeah. key. I'm, and I'm not joking. I, I, I actually think I am going to start jotting down some notes on, on coming up with a system, a D100 system. Uh, three miles is absolutely right. That's exactly why, yeah. even if they put out a piece of shit, you're still so, going to watch yeah. it because Pretty of the mythos. Much. You know, yeah, you're still going right. to watch it. And other than a few really shitty outliers like Thor 3 uh, or 2 <laughs> or both or all of the fucking Spider-Mans except for the first one, you know, other than a few outliers. Oh, I don't know. I think the Miles Spider-Man is going to be pretty cool. I think uh, I think the multiverse is going to be awesome. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm talking about yeah. the second, two, uh, the oh, second yeah, yeah. two Tom Holland Spider-Man. The first one was fantastic. The second two sucked. But to your point, <laughs> your point other than the really There's shitty like, ones... Tom Holland is so cute. Uh, we, may, we may have to have an MCU episode because we are, you know, there's going to be a rant just, involved. Yeah, this is not just games. Red cam, red cam, red cam. <laughs> it happens every episode. Every episode. Uh, I know Matt and Gary together. and Jeff, if he was here, would back me up um, on the Thor movies and the Spider-Man movies. But, but no, to your point, <laughs> Howard the Duck. <laughs> But uh, no, other than the really shitty ones, you're right. Because of that mythos, if a, if a Marvel movie is, you know, okay, then you still it's still acceptable, you know? Right, um, right. So I got a question for Sharon. So you have a, you have yeah, you. So you have you have as of yet only played D D when it comes to role playing games. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now that we and have console games too, but I don't think that really counts. No, no I'm talking it, specifically it, like, well, it well, counts towards the idea of what you find interesting. Exactly, think, and yeah. that's where I'm. That's where I'm getting at. So now that we have kind of forced you into all of digging up all of these old relic fucking game systems. <laughs> I mean, and that commercial was a gem. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna save that one. I think that should be uh, next time we send out a space probe to contact Alien Life. That should definitely be on. <laughs> that should be our gold board. record. Yeah, along with Beethoven <laughs> and Da Vinci and you know that. You're like, what the fuck? They'll they'll see that commercial go up. Oh, that's a dead species. Let's yeah, move on. Yeah. Ooh, yes, we're clear of that. That's a hot song. Yeah. Um. So, uh, are you? I don't know. What is your take? I know you haven't played other games, but I think you've start you've started to become familiar with some of these other ideas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific? And I'm not quite sure what I'm asking you. <laughs> is there anything specific that? As I mean, what do you feel as a player? What yeah. do you? F- yeah, especially as a player. That's that's a good point because we're looking at this. I think more from GM point of view. Yeah, as a player. What do you feel is mythos versus you know versus mechanics, and does it, and how big of a part does the GM play, and then likewise, is there anything that is starting to pique your interest to want to try other than D and I think mythos is very important. I think that's what really ties you know everybody into playing the first place. Uh, yeah, because and that's the thing that's. Like what I really love about reading and all these, you know, movies and video games, it's all about the story. You want to know what's going on and want to be in that world. But I also feel like mechanics are pretty important because I think after a while it it would seem kind of like, yeah, I mean, if there's books, I think I'll just read that instead type of thing. Because, you know, the mechanics have to 
not drag so much and i feel that that's pretty important because there are even like certain games out there where like the story's there but the game was just trash so um so as yeah. a so as a player you know pursuant to what jace was saying about the no levels and you're slowly winning me over on the more open system jason mm -hmm. um but Pursuant to that topic, do you feel so? Let's say the mythos is fantastic. You have a, a an exceptional narrative GM. Do you still feel that it is important as a player to have your character advance mechanically and feel like you are on paper achieving something beyond just the narrative portion of your achievements? How important do you feel? That is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very oh clever God. use of the word progenitor. That should be the name of the new system. Mirror metrics. Mirror metrics. Yes, it lives. <laughs> um, I'm pretty familiar with the skill tree system because, as I said, I'm I'm play video games on the side, and that's what they do is for skill trees. As you progress in the game, you could level up certain areas. And you feel like a sense of accomplishment after doing like a, you know, a milestone in the game. So I think that concept can work really well with, you know, uh, TTRPGs. Because then it gets you more involved in building your character too. Because it doesn't have to be a set stat. It can just, you're growing. Okay, so some kind of mechanical advan advancement is still important in your... Yeah. Well, and I think Chesray brings up a good point. There is there is that sense of dopamine excitement when you realize you hit an opportunity. I yeah. would I would grab onto that excitement and say, what if we did that more frequently with the smaller skill trees? Like, right. you still have your major mm -hmm. milestones of major accomplishments, but what if you're in the middle of a great game and you've been working on becoming an alchemist? And you do a series of very difficult roles and study at a library and suddenly you know how to make your own rare potion mm -hmm. that no one knows how to make. And it becomes an open world artifact of that game that you're now playing where only you can make it. And now it's an economy that you can sell within the game and you're creating this whole little like tangent of your existence within an open world game that fulfills the want of the player but can also create a lot of content, um, you know, within the group and the game that you guys are playing. Yeah, real-time exactly. skill tree development. Chez, yeah. yeah, that's what we're talking about. And By the again, way, if anybody even, wants to know, EMP Studios Cesare is the one that's currently uh, designing my studio for me. So he is, uh, I believe he's traveling uh, to the San Francisco this weekend for a gig. But uh, if you ever need any help with production work, if you need any help with uh, studio audio work and filming, Hit him up. Uh, just look up EMP Studios, and and he is a gift from God. Let me tell you, his natural eye and ear for talent is far superior than anything I've ever seen. And it's awesome. Thanks, Jezray, for being here tonight. Appreciate you. Cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, even the D twenty, you know, or the twenty point, you know, twenty twenty two, maybe. <laughs> can't even you know, type. I'm blushing. I can't type. <laughs> <laughs> even the even the twenty point attribute range in D and D, I don't think allows for enough of those little accomplishments without. You know, oh my without... god, we have so much fun with the with the like when Barry was building these little trinkets for the party. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she was having them made and then they were getting magically infused and they became very important to the players as they were given out as gifts, you know, within the world that we were playing in. You know, I've got another player in another game that's fixated on alchemy and, you know, he blew himself up, you know, because he was trying <laughs> to come up, you know, it adds another really fun level of danger, but now he's become proficient in making, you know, healing potions Right. And then I had another player that's like, um, and his nickname is now Lefty. You know, there is a lot of opportunity (laughs) to create these little mini kind of leveling systems and mini little skill systems um, within these games and let the players create them. You know, give them that opportunity. It's funny. I, I, my love of charts and skill trees and trees and webs and, and Mm -hmm. somewhat not confusing mechanics but deep mechanics um i think that uh, you know i said it last time i think that a well-written set of mechanics the deeper you go done right the more you can actually open up the narrative which is what we're talking about i think the i think the the simpler this is going to sound very contradictory but i think the simpler and shallower the mechanics are, the harder it is to have that narrative aspect of advancing your character. Well, and I think it also brings into context, you know, there's always the challenge of that long running game, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's a little bit of hesitancy to begin to introduce that into a campaign because what if the campaign never lasts? What if you put together this amazing idea for your character You've got all these mini leveling opportunities, but the game only lasts like two or three months because of whatever happened. That's, well, beca- that's a very it, good point. You know, it becomes a little daunting sometimes to like, you could begin to see why shallow and simple systems have popularity because there's very, <laughs> <laughs> there's very, um, there's very little investment you need to really do to get that game going. And once you've got it going, then maybe gradually introduce some complexity to it with an established game. Um, I mean, I, my favorite conversation to have with the players is you are your character and you decide for yourself what your character is, but you're in an open world and your character is always evolving. So anytime you see a, a, an opportunity to create your own feat, your own feature, um, your own kind of unique aspect of the lineage of your character, or you want to become something very unique within the campaign, feel free to explore it and see where it takes you. Yeah, but I, I think but I think you're you're both hitting the target when it would be nice to have at least a little bit of a starting point. Something yeah. kind of at the ground floor that makes that opportunity more researchable, a little bit more involving for, you know, when people are building characters, regardless of what mythos they're in. And it becomes to it, it becomes to be more important to the player, I think, and that creativity kind of re-inspires them to you know have a different relationship with their character, um, yeah. you know, and and I think that helps. It definitely helps. You know, you know, one thing that I've always thought about D and D skills. There's a lot of overlap. Again, it is a very limited list of skills. It's based on a very limited set of attributes. And, you know, 
it's always been an issue when you're playing. It's like, uh, okay, I'm going to check the door. Uh, okay, make an investigation mm -hmm. check. I'm going to help. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to, and everybody does an investigation check. You know, everybody, there's so much crossover. That's another thing is, and, and they've, they've helped with all of the subclasses, but there is a lot of redundancy from a character standpoint mechanically in D and D. And a lot of times, even if you've got two characters that are at opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, you've got a, a rogue, a sat, you know, assassin and a, uh, you know, a, a wild magic sorcerer. There's still a lot of overlap, mm -hmm. you know, and that I think too can be solved with a much deeper um, skill tree and much wider level of skills. Like then you start to develop like, okay, well, I'm going to be really fucking good at picking locks to the point where nobody else really needs to try. And that makes my character special, you know, rather um, than, like I said, in D and D four out of five people in the party are going to attempt to, you know, to fucking open a chest. Um, anybody can do it. Actually, uh, Chesare also brought up something that I've been thinking about for a little bit because it is an interesting, um, so I included the link to gray castle press review of journey. It's something that's been getting a lot more, um, a, a lot more opportunity because of isolation and challenges of finding games is Journey is an RPG solo <laughs> game, right? And I think those can provide great mythos opportunities as well. You know, like these solo games are beginning to burble to the surface and I've been reading some of their mythos and their lore and I'm like, wow, that's a great mythos, but I'm not a huge fan of RPG solo because... Wait, are just, these are these digital or are these traditional they're, RPGs? They're both physical and digital, I think, depending on which one you go go with. But we can introduce it as a later subject matter. But Cesare had brought it up as, you know, if it is a solo RPG, does mythos matter way more than mechanics, right? Because the, the solo mechanic could be as something as simple as choose your own adventure, Mm -hmm. right yeah or yeah. some other interactive mechanic and reintroduces mm -hmm. the idea that even at a solo level of rpg interpretation mythos is still like the main thing we think about when we think about these games mm -hmm. oh really yeah i've heard that yeah oh. but I, I but i think we're in that kind of gray area again where there's these really popular online games and pc console games that are beginning to show that there's a lot of interesting creative mythos out there of worlds. Once again, if we could just find that one unifying role system, that one system that God we feel damn, like we can all you, use. If you developed mechanics that were wide enough and you figured out a way to combine video game style MMO with traditional role playing to where I could take my character and do some solo adventures wow style and then come back with the same character to the table and play in one of your campaigns that would be yeah. fucking cool as shit well that's kind of what we're trying to do with the monday night game we're doing a lot of experimentation there um, but you know original, you see what i'm getting at where it's yeah, like a, oh yeah. a, a very it would have to be a very i'm gonna throw adventures league out only as an example right by name because adventures league is, is has always been a, a huge fucking piece of shit 
Yeah. <laughs> but something like that, where you follow a specific set of guidelines, but you could take that character anywhere and slot it into a fucking video game and then play yeah. it at, at a table. That would be awesome. Well, you know what? You know what, Brian? We could come up with something wholly unique and we can call them modules. <laughs> <laughs> We should make a game where it's like you travel around the United States and you buy properties, and then when people land on your properties, you charge them money, and then whoever has yeah, the most. You know what? We could monopolize that game. Yeah, we could monopolize that game. I think you're onto something, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how we did it, folks, but we burned another hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> what the heck? Hmm. What the heck? Do we have uh, a? Um, do we have a topic for next week yet? You know what, chat? Don't forget, you can hit us up in the Discord. Let us know if you'd like us to uh, focus on a topic. Uh, head over to, I think, um, TTRPG Academy Discord. Um, and <laughs> <Come> it... <laughs> as long as I get Kumchak. Risk, baby. Risk. <laughs> that fucking Kumchak. God, it was, always, it was always fucking key to that game. I hate that game. <laughs> that in Australia. In Australia. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Australia. Once you got Australia, you fucking. That's uh, it. That's that's Park Place and Boardwalk, um, baby. I kind of want to. I kind of feel like I want to talk about the MCU next week. <laughs> well, I, I do like the idea that we talk about superhero games and and superhero mythos and and how that kind of plugs into things. That'd be a lot of fun to talk about. Boom, um, done. Next week's yeah. topic, superheroes. MC yeah, Marvel, I like that. DC. And I will dig out my 82 books of superheroes, including a very uniquely four-set book of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle role-playing game from the uh, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, shit. I, I have, remember that. I have I the complete that. set, and the bindings have never been cracked. There is a Marvel TTRPG. It was not yep. bad. Again, the rules were a little light, but in such a way that it was fun. Uh, it was Marvel super. It was Marvel superheroes. Marvel yeah. Marvel heroes. Yeah, um, I, I will got all gather that shit up too. my superhero content for show and tell. I think it would be. I think it'd be a real fun one because it's so relevant to our media culture right now with the DCU MCU battle that's been going on, as well as the post Malibu image, you know, DC Marvel comic book battle that took place over a 10 year period. Oh, you know, fuck. and then out That's of all of that, idea. right. Out of all that, we still have this opportunity to kind of play games yeah. with those. Val you know? image, image and valiant mm -hmm. in, in early nineties, 90, 91. Blew up and the, the birth of spawn, movie. right. The birth of yeah. spawn. Uh, one of the most, Valiant, uh, yep. you know, uh, Spawn became one of the most interesting anti-heroes that ever, um, Still you know, is. yeah, on, you know, wait, it came wait, into wait, existence. Uh-oh, here it goes. Hold on, young folk. Let me go get my Todd McFarlane shit. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. This is one, this is one of like about eight Spawns that I have. I fucking no love. Way. That's his Spawn. Witch Hunter one, isn't it? What? Isn't that when he's a witch hunter? No, it's uh, that is uh, Western cowboy. Oh, okay, cowboy guy. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think McFarlane is is freaking awesome. I love Spawn. Actually, he's one of my favorite. Spawn I and Moon Spawn and Moon Knight are my favorite superheroes. Where are they going to make a new Spawn movie too? They oh, they're always trying okay. to. They tried. They tried. Okay. It it wasn't. It wasn't. 
actually horrifically terrible when they did the Spawn movie. There were there were a lot fucking worse. I've read the comics. They're great. So this is awesome. from Todd McFarlane's Dragons collection. Nice. He did a series uh, of dragons a while ago, and I was lucky enough to find that they were on a discount shelf, and I got this one for like 10 bucks. No um, way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think She's I have... be clever. She's got to be clever. I have Spawn uh, one kind through... Of probably about 80 or 90 and then I'll, and then a whole smattering after that but i still have all the original spawn uh well, spawn was the first no there were comic book movies superman. way before spawn superman yeah. was the first one i would say um well the original yeah 70 yeah. i would say i would i would say though that spawn was the first attempt at like the '90s attempt at, at at creating a comic book genre related to some of the content that was coming out at the time. Oh God, um, '70s Captain America. That's right. Three well, what about the uh, late '60s, early '70s Iron Man? You know that. What that, about the original Batman? What about yeah. the original Batman? Okay. <laughs> I think, okay, so welcome to Lawfully Chaotic Episode 7, a week early. Okay, we have our topic for next week. Oh, it yeah. Going to be yeah, we'll explore the superhero genre, and, superhero genre. and and let's let's come up with all the cool role-playing games. We'll do some... Yeah, well, um, we, may, we, we may delve out of the game realm for a change and just talk nerd shit in the mm -hmm. form of superheroes. All things so superheroes. Games. You're talking about. That's kind of. Virgin. Virgin or nerd shit? <laughs> right. So we have our topic for next Bird week. Virgin or nerd shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode. And okay. we have copyrighted yet another one liner from our famous Barry Bye. <laughs> the t shirt <laughs> money just keeps rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rollies. Um. Rollies. Okay. Rollies. Chat, do rollies with us. Oh, I can do rollies. rollies. I'm going to do my rollies in in chat. I'm going to do my I'm rollies. Still going to use chat. my little my little teeny tiny ten millimeter die. I'm going to go with the blue one. It's I been doing pretty good for me, one. although not tonight because I got a seven. Ooh, nineteen, baby. Damn. Nineteen. I got a seven. Oh. First roll wow. in like yeah, eight episodes in a man. long time. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jason, I'm sorry, we're out of time. Goodbye. <laughs> Everybody's rolling now. <laughs> Digital dice doesn't count. I agree with Gary. Or it doesn't count. Digital dice suck. <laughs> that's gonna be what we're gonna do one episode the whole episode on real versus digital dice and we're just gonna hash it out so to roll us we'll out of up. here folks if you've got a fun mythos and a group of people that mm. want to play it don't get hung up on the mechanics find the mechanic that works try it out if it doesn't work try another one but if you find that mythos and you find that genre and theme that brings you and a group together on a weekly basis to sit around a table and be creative and exciting uh, opportunities and time with one another and create that place you want to play. If the mythos drives you to it, do it. If the mechanics makes you struggle, that's okay. There are plenty of options out there to experiment with within whatever mythos you choose. As long as you're playing, you're having a good time. Very well, well said. said. With that, Barry. Where can we find you? 
Hi nope, guys. I looked the wrong way again. <laughs> I am never gonna get that down. To the left, to the right. <laughs> um, right. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Lawfully Chaotic. You can find me over here at BarryBot over on Instagram and anywhere else on the interwebs, I suppose. And you could also catch me on Saturdays over at the Graying Lands campaign on the TTRPG and Lawfully Chaotic RPG and G Co channels. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be airing next week, but you could definitely catch up on uh, recent episodes. So please come check us out. She's and referring wait. to Graying Lands, Brad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <I> have what? <laughs> and Brian, where can we find you? In Chicago. But um, bum. Bum, bum. Um, uh, linktree ee slash rpg and co.com uh instagram still the best place to hit me up also rpg and co.com um hit me up anytime to chat i love talking about shit obviously um especially if you want to rant about something all over it um sharon thank you as always uh for your research for tonight's show much much very awesome you can find me over at, at ttrpg academy on the twitch space um, on that space, you can find all my other socials. We have <clears throat> all of our previous games on Anchor and YouTube. If you want to go back to the beginning of some of my campaigns that ran for two, three, and four years, they are out there for your listening or viewing pleasure. Listening pleasure, I think, is more realistic as, you know, it's always in the background. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to catch us Monday nights with Pike's Promise... Um, or Sunday nights with Debtor's Gambit, or Saturday nights with Grain Lands, come on over to the Academy Twitch and hang out with us. All right, everyone. As always, TPK. Yeah, I don't remember. Story, yeah. Play a game and be kind. Woohoo! What she said, which is awesome. <laughs> Good night. Later. Everybody. Thanks for joining us all. Bye.